Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force and the game we love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rugby Wrap as we wrap up the Super Rugby Pacific season for, 20, for 2022. My name's Mick Collis. Joining me as always, Wallaby number 735, Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to see you. Oh, Mickey, we've finally got to the end of Super yeah. Rugby Pacific <laughs> and everyone's already everyone's saying, no, we don't want to play with you anymore. You've ruined it. We're going our own way. <laughs> There's threats of disharmony, breakaways, yes. Super Rugby Leagues happening. I know. So it's be, just, just travesty. But it was be, a good final. It all culminated in a fantastic final. Yeah, it I certainly think was. The right team won. Yep, me too. And then Stan Sports, pretty boy, former Western Force hooker, Heath Tessman. Tess, good to see you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> is this is that why when I asked you to send a draft through of what we were going to talk about tonight, you refused yeah, to send I, it through? Yeah, I like to keep that, I like to keep that <laughs> quiet. For everyone everyone listening out there today, he's taken it to another level tonight. He's now got a tight white Bond <laughs> T-shirt on tonight. It's all well, gone yeah. to his head. This whole... <laughs> Arm things gone to his head. <laughs> We're in the middle of winter. It's ten degrees outside. Oh, look at, here and have a look at this and like brand, oh, brand new pants. pajama pants as well. Jeez, he's what He's a pinup boy of Stan Sport now. He isn't certainly he just, is. Isn't he, he certainly just. is. Uh, he's never on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you were missed on the weekend test, but cheer out to John Wellborn for uh, for filling in your very large shoes. So, Super Rugby Pacific, as we mentioned, went up on the weekend. The Crusaders dominating the ladder, topping Blues to win 21-7 at a sold-out Eden Park in Auckland, a record-extending 11th Super Rugby crown as they snapped the Blues' 15-match winning streak with a ruthless display in wet and slippery conditions. The sixth straight title for the Crusaders under coach Scott Robinson. And, Mitch, you you said the the best team won, even though you didn't think they'd actually get there. Well, we... Well, you and I picked them to win the final, didn't we, Mick? Yeah, but didn't you pick the Blues? Didn't you pick them to be beat the week before? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, that, but that's all right. Only, it's probably the only game I got right all year, that one. Um, hey, did it, how, surely I Moanga, the it's, just, it's just a matter of like which of the guys are going to get picked for the All Blacks. It's the ones that step up in the big game. So Richie Mwanga, David Harvilli, Um, And I'll tell you who um, was fantastic was the Crusaders number seven as well. Like He was just out of control. Yeah, Tom Christie. Yeah, Tom Christie. He was my man of the match. He was he was just terrific. Mm. And we thought that, well, that, that was going to be the area that potentially the Blues were going to stay in the game. But with um, uh, Papalihi coming off the bench, they dismissed him up front in that opening minutes, I think. And Tom Christie just asserted himself and... You know, Richie did the rest rest with his with his guys out there in the backs, and it was just great, great final, really good, and a massive, massive crowd, and everyone was into it. it was I totally enjoyed it. And Tess, do you agree that the right team won? I mean, the Blues never even got into it. No, and that's yeah. I mean, I disagree with Mitch in it being a great final. As soon as there was a bit of rain, the Crusaders were always going to win that game. You could see how they just ground down into it. And but I agree with Mitch. Like the Blues, the Blues didn't look like they were a shot really like other than a few open field breaks and with Papa Lee in the second half finding a little bit of space as well they didn't look like they were going to come close to scoring in that first half and that's just how good that Crusaders team is especially when it does start raining as well and and talking about players that are going to be left like be left out of all blacks teams as well mm. I'll add like Sam uh, Sam Whitelock he, him coming back then he's with Scott Barrett in the second row like Scott Barrett mm. Is the yeah, number one good. lock in just about any other country in the world, maybe bar England with the Toje. Um, and he's someone that, you know, is probably not going to wear a number from one to 15 for the All Blacks. Um, could struggle to find a, a bench spot even. He was he was immense for them as well. Because the Crusaders, do you think the scoreline flattered the Blues? Because the yeah, Crusaders I- got up, they got over the line a couple of times and disallowed. Yeah. True. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, I think it did, and I think I think the weather probably helped keep that scoreline a little bit more in check. As much as it still did help the Crusaders stay in control of the game, um, but like yeah, I, it was one of those matches where there were moments that the Blues had their moments, and there was you know good long field breaks, but at the same time, the Crusaders never looked like they were losing that game from about mm. the fifth minute in. Like they just looked like they were in control of it. Um, and you know, the number of championships. What is that? Eleven now. They've they've yeah. won. Yeah. Um, they, they know how to get it done. They do, don't they? I like that Finlay Christie, the Blues half. I like him. 
Yeah, he's a he's a real live wire. He's a good solid performer as well. He's had a good season. I don't um, know where he fits in the in the rankings of halfbacks uh, he, over there. He might well, he a, might sneak onto a bench, I reckon. Yeah, he will. I think he will be. I mean, he's a, he, Brad Webber, TJ Perinara not making the All Black squad mm. as well. Um, That's surprising. So, Brad Webber not getting there. Yeah, well, of the the two of them, even yeah. Mm. Oh, I mean, TJ's, yeah, Brad Webber. I think on the outer bit. Yeah, yeah, Webber. Webber probably uh, done enough to make it. I reckon. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but so yeah, I mean Finlay Christie, he would he would be looking at being that backup to Aaron Smith. Yeah, he's good. And everyone then, loves a fiery redhead though, don't they? As well, <laughs> I'd like I'd like <laughs> to see a world, I'd like to see a world fifteen with Finlay Christie at nine and Tane Ebbett at ten. Oh. That'd that'd excite me. I'd love I'd love that. <laughs> You'd love to see it. There, there is actually speaking of rangers though, over in over in Brisbane, there is a uh, a, a rugby team called the Red Hot Chili Steppers as well, and they are all. That's one of the. You need to be a redhead to play. And, oh really? Um, yeah, University of Queensland coach McKean, and he is a uh, he's a through and through. He might say he's a strawberry blonde, but he's red through and through, and he's their head coach. So when they do get together for games, oh, good. <laughs> it's always entertaining. That's terrific. And then Scott Robertson did his traditional uh, dance at the end, which I I like and I looked forward to seeing that. But that Namia Tialata's come out and, and he was filthy. He said, you know, he was tweeting, no break dance, please, for the sake of rugby. No, let your boys enjoy the win. I'm smashing my TV if he dances. What do you think of his dancing? Love his dancing. Shows I his love passion it. for the game. It does. That's and what I all the players enjoy it love as well. It. And, you know, it's it probably wasn't as great a good as – Greater, gooder, perfect dance as he did in 2021, but it was still up there. And yep. like, who cares? Like, oh, great to uh, see yeah. someone just cutting loose and enjoying themselves. Absolutely, showing a bit of character. And yeah, yeah. And that's it because, and that's God what like, Scott... we have personalities in the game. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm more impressed. I want to know who Scott Robinson's tailor is because I know if I got even halfway through that, my pants would be split <laughs> up. There'd be tears in my shirt. So I need to find out where he gets his kit from because yeah. it's got. It's got to have that stretch stuff in it, surely. Because it's terrific. Because all the players, you know, they're the ones that make the circle around him and start the chant. I think it's, I think it's terrific, and it just shows that they're in. They're a team that looks like they enjoy their rugby, and it, I think yeah. it's great. I think it's great. So well done to the Crusaders. Uh, a great season for them. So they're looking into the Fortescue Premier Grade Club Rugby from last weekend, uh, Southern Lions thirty six seventeen over Rocky Mitch. I believe you picked that one. Uni 64 oh, nil surprise, over, surprise. Uh, over Joodlup. <laughs> and the three Tizano brothers all playing for university, Carlo, Luca and Cristiano. So that was a, a big win for them. And Greg Holmes has just joined the UWA coaching staff uh, as well, which is, that's great for the students. Oh, West, I thought he was, he was meant to be a prop down at Netherlands. What's going on? Well, he may still be, but he's coaching, <laughs> he's coaching down at uni. Then West's 43-27 over Cala. Cott, uh, big winners, 62-24 over Arcs, but well, no, Arcs, 24 points. Basie, 20, Pally, 18. And in the uh, Stan Sport match of the round, Wanneroo getting home in a nail-biter, 22-19 over Heath Tessman's Netherlands. And Mitch, uh, Wanneroo came back, I think, 14-0 down at one stage to steal that one. Yeah, it was a it was a good comeback from the Roodogs up there at Kingsway Reserve. So um, I thought they just, they just played really well as a team and they didn't get flustered when they were down 14-0. And we, we said it in the call on Stan Sport that Nettie's just, just never really got out of second gear. Um, they were doing all the right things in the first half, taking the points when on offer, but they just didn't kick on, mm. um, which everyone was quite surprised about, but probably didn't play smart as well. They didn't play the conditions. They're going too wide too early rather than going through the middle, um, whereas Wanneroo just went about their business. Their defence was very good. Their systems and structures in in defence was good. And um, yeah, yeah, young blokes like Ethan Riley had another good game. Their forward pack through uh, their front row with big Marcus Cutler there. He was very good. Um, probably a little bit of debate about who got man of the match in the end. Mick, I was a bit disappointed yeah. that you know, none of the guys we mentioned got it. But um, there was some really controversy. good controversies. Yeah, it was, yeah, was controversy. Contra- yes, out of the blue, Jordan Gratton got the man of the match. But uh, we had probably uh, another four blokes ahead of him. But hmm. It, it, and that's fine, but it just goes to show a good team will beat a champion team any day, Desmond. That's a bit rich, but Netherlands, Netherlands have actually struggled with Wanneroo the last few years, especially going up there, and it's it's always been windy and wet. It's always been a bit cold. It's always been a bit of a grind as well, and um, yeah, tip of the hat to Wanneroo, like keeping it tight and getting it done, and yeah, staying composed with that with that lead they gave Netherlands. 
Because I was yeah. surprised because they talk. I think John talked to the Shermanator at half time. Did he? Whoever he spoke to at yeah. half time, and they were talking about their intent was to was to play it wide. But yeah, it just seemed a bit odd because they were doing it every time, even from behind their old goal line. I and mean, when you got yeah, Shermanator boys. at the number ten position, doing? just trying to spin it wide, and it came undone a few times. So it was they a strange got, tactic they took into that game. They got yeah. it wrong. They That's got it wrong. Interesting choice there. How did uh, how did Shemo go getting some some words out at halftime? I mean, <laughs> he was all right. He was blown. He was blown. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he was quite comfortable. He loves the camera. The big fella. The big one. Nice. The big one for me. That that UWA victory over Junilup, mate, it's a bit concerning. That I watched um, some footage of that game. It was dreadful. Like Junilup were dreadful. Um, oh really? They, they really need to have a look at what they're doing out there. Otherwise, they could be on the slippery slide down into the bottom three real quick. Mm. Um, you know, West bouncing back. They now go to second spot, Mickey, but there's eight points now between one and two. So UWA well and truly got a buffer. It'll all count to nothing when you go to the competition split. Uh, and then West, Netties and Wanneroo are all now bunched up between second, third and fourth with Cott, Basie, Palmara and then Associates rounding out the eight. Um, but it looks like at this point, if you had to split the comp, clubs like Palmara and Associates would be missing out on the top six. Which is a which is a big call. So some interesting games coming up. Because how many how many games left before they split? Uh, there's three rounds. One three, round three, eleven three, this week. Yeah. There's round eleven this week. Then they have a break for the test match. Oh, the test match. Yep. Then there is a round twelve, and then a round thirteen. So there's yeah, three okay. matches. So yeah. So at the moment, yeah, you, as you mentioned, Uni on top on forty five. They're safe. Wests second on thirty seven. You think they're safe? Netties and Wanneroo both on 35. Then you've got Cot on 30, Perth 29, Pally 27, Soaks 25. So those four spots. Two of those one, clubs will miss Two will out. go, yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah, the next, the next, yeah, it's going to be. Um, well, spe- yeah, well, I know. There's a few, especially like Netherlands will still play Cot and Pally out of those two teams hovering around them on the ladder. So there a few of those games will be really decisive leading into that, that cutoff point. Yeah. yeah. So, do you have the teams, Mitch, for. This week coming up? Uh, yeah, the matches this week. Uh, so, Netherlands take on Palmyra down at Ch- Sir Charles Court Reserve. That'll be our Stan Sport match of the day, which Heath Tessman will host. Um, on so on, on that, you'd think you'd think um, Netherlands you'd think should win. would they're, beat that. They're very so, hard to beat at home. Netherlands. So, so Pally, you'd think would remain mm. on twenty-seven. Oh, T Tessman, yep. not quite convinced. Oh, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe the axe will fall during the week after the loss. Maybe they got some <laughs> players out. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe Heath Tessman will make a comeback, not available for commentary. <laughs> With the microphone in hand. Yeah. So, so that's going to be a big one. Uh, Southern Lions are going to host Cotters, though. Yeah, Cot should get so up. Cot should get that. So they'll keep themselves safe, you'd oh, think, I, caught in the six. They should, but Southern Lions are still that very, smoky, that, that very yeah. smoky team. The Fijians. Daisy will, down there. Daisy will beat Rocky. Yeah, at success, yep. UD, UWA will beat Soaps. Oh, hang on. So. The, ba- the Baisy Rocky, can I just say something about anyone who's following Instagram but would have seen some of the, <laughs> greatest, the greatest fighting displays of all time. It's like watching MMA. The Rocky boy, The Rocky boys would have been... Spending a bit of time with judiciary this week, without a doubt, there's some serious issues going on down there. There was one bloke taking on about 10, 10 blokes from some lines in one bit of footage, and there was another one where the guy's just coming in with WWE, the knee, WWE, WWE style with the flying knee. Yeah. So, there's, wow. There's a, a terrific Instagram page that Heath Tessman got me onto about WA rugby memes, yeah. and it's uh, it's very funny. And they've got some, some the comments. They've got some comments about that. Um, about that on there, so you think that you think Perth will be okay yeah, for that be one? More than okay, I reckon. So they should um, they should maintain their sixth spot. Yep, yeah, UWA is taking on Soaks. That's going to be huge that game down at the library. Um, down at the library, uh, Arks taking on Jindalup. Who knows? You'd like to think Jindalup should beat Arks, but they're struggling a little bit. West get the bye, so that'll keep them in that spot, whatever that might be. So they could fall to third or fourth. And Kalamunda are playing Wanneroo out of Kalamunda. Now, that yeah. is no guarantee Wanneroo will beat Kalamunda. Mm. Kalamunda are hard to beat at home. West as well. That's It's tough with West having the bye. Then they've got mm. leading in, they've got Palmyra, and they've got Wanneroo as well. There's their last mm. two games as well. So Yeah, okay. They could they slide a little bit this weekend, then that pressure starts piling on pretty rapidly. Yeah. So so there are, there are three weeks but two rounds. Is that right? Three so, so there's 
There, there is three games there over three the games next four over weeks. Four weeks. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, plenty of yeah. time. All staying plenty of time, up. but it's all building. It's coming to a crescendo oh, when we, yeah. we'll end up with the top six and the bottom seven. Yeah, that'll be um, that'll be good. I like. Yeah. yeah. So it's all heating up towards the back end. Which takes us on then to the mailbag, and we've got a fair bit. There's a fair bit in the mail, uh, actually, tonight. So sack. It's a mail sack. It's a mail sack. So we'll start with some recruitment at the the Western Force. So Brad Lacey gone, and Jack McGregor gone, and they've picked up a guy called Jeremy Williams, 21 year old from the Eastern Suburbs Club in Sydney, 195 centimeters and 111 kilos. So Lacey and McGregor, were you surprised? to see them moving on? No surprises. No, not really. Not after, or unfortunately not after them not being given opportunities this year as well. Um, they're guys that have performed pretty well over the past few years. Like by all accounts, Lacey was about the best back, but definitely the best performing winger in the preseason, but just with, with the guys ahead of him, he never really got an opportunity and he managed to, when he did get chances, he was man of the match and yeah, he was only good. one of his starts, scored tries, set them up as well in his other games. So, I mean, not not surprised, but um, yeah, I guess probably disappointed, especially for a local guy like Brad, whose uh, his life is all, has been about just wanting to play mm. for the force. Um, but exciting for them as they move into the the next chapter of their lives, and they've been, yeah they've been excellent excellent players for the force over the this past period, and uh, you know happy to have had them here, and um, sad to see them go. And do you know so what where, where's what Lacey they're doing? Up to? Is he yeah. going overseas? Uh, T- TBC. 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 I, I wouldn't TBC. be surprised if Lace pops up overseas somewhere. Um, yeah, and like I think I think that was never. Uh, my observation is never that was a healthy relationship with Brad being part of that broader group. He seemed to be a bit um, on the outer most of the time. And, and when he did play, he never put a foot wrong. His yeah. enthusiasm was good. He came through the pathway system. And he's probably just another example of probably the Western Force not looking after their own very well, um, to, be, to be blunt. Um, the Jack McGregor scenario, well, he was obviously never in the reckoning um, this year, there was probably no intention from the coaching staff to blame, and he, he never really forced his way into that starting 15. So um, I think that was inevitable that he was going to do his time. But I'll tell you what, he's done, he's been a pretty good player for the team over the last few years. Mm. You look back to their NRC victory and obviously um, was key to that in that year that we picked up the NRC. And through Global Rugby, we sort of relaunched his rugby career in a lot of ways. So... Um, certainly breathed a, a fresh lease of life in, into his career. And, and he's always been very happy to go along and play for Palmyra in the club, local club comp yeah. um, and put his best foot forward there. So, you know, and, and it would be nice to see Lace run out for a couple more games for his beloved West Scarborough Boars, where he was a junior and he's come through the ranks. So maybe we'll see one or two games from him before he leaves the shores. But um, Lace, I've always had a soft spot for Lace. He's been a, he's a terrific bloke. He's a good kid, always full of enthusiasm. Um, and whatever he does now, it's he's got my blessing. That's for sure. Yeah, that's um, that's nice and a, a good summary. And then in some other news, the Parramatta Two Blues defeating their they continue their storming Another season win. over Ramwick. <gasps> no oh less. God, that would have been chaos at Eric <laughs> Tweedles. Eric Tweedle was it a home game at Eric Tweedle Stadium? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, home game. Oh, that would have been chaotic in the sheds after there. Which is um, it's just I think it's I think that's their fifth win this year, uh, yeah. and just uh, it's just outstanding the turnaround they've had. Mm-hmm. But, they did it easy they, as well, didn't they? They they smashed them too. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't close. No, well, um, yeah, it certainly wasn't yeah, a nail biter by by any stretch of the imagination. 20, yeah, twenty one to five. Oh, really? But it also goes back to the you know the thing that we've been talking about when we had uh, old mate on there a few weeks back talking about getting the off field right then it, the on-field yeah. stuff sort of follows through there. So, you know, I think there's there's a lot to say for getting your, your governance and your committee right. There's always been good, strong depth of juniors coming through there. So, you know, it's just there's a lot to um, – there's a lot, lot of credit to the committee of the two Blues Rugby Club, but also for the work that's been put in behind the scenes, rebuilding that program with guys like Tatafu Policy now as mm. well. Yep. No, so it's a, a great result. Um, and then – after 25 years, the Cook Cup is no more. So the Wallabies in England are now playing for a new trophy that'll be named after 
uh, Mark Eller and a former England winger by the name of Edgar Mobbs, who was killed in action in France during World War One. Uh, initially, I was having a look about this Mobbs bloke. Initially, he was turned down as too old to join the army, so he raised his own sportsman's company of 250 sportsmen. They called it Mobbs Own uh, for a regiment, and he rose to the command of his battalion with the rank of lieutenant colonel. Um, but what do we think about changing the name to Cook Cup? Hey. Yeah, ah. Oh. Look, I'm fine with it. I guess it's probably a, a bit more of a sign of the times. We're seeing lots of, you know, different sporting teams with the, the controversial names or figures around them, um, you know, being being moved on as history kind of reveals itself a little bit more. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's a sign of the times. It is what it is. Like, it's, I don't think it's too far out of line. Like, sometimes it does get a little bit extreme. But, um, yeah, it is. Because I... Yeah. I jumped online just to have a bit of a look at some of the uh, social media comments, and I reckon 90% of the people commenting, which is, you know, not exactly a representation of the community, but, the, <laughs> but 90%, 90% were blowing up, just saying that's <laughs> it. They're never supporting rugby again. All, Cook did was, all he did was his job, and, you know, what's he ever done wrong? So it's, it was, uh, to some sections, it was, yeah, quite, um, quite controversial. Look, yeah, I, and I can understand their view, but at the same time, I don't think – it's it's just a trophy at the same time as well. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that sure the Wallabies want to come away. England want to come away with having a trophy at the end of the series. I don't think they really care what, what it's, it's called. called. Yeah, you know, the Wallabies is. the Wallabies need to break an eight game losing streak. I'm worrying about that. You know, England yeah. want to come down here and, and get over the top of um get over the top of Australia in a in a in a Test match series. So yeah, the, the, the World Cup hasn't got a name. So. That's the only one that's, that really matters, that in the blood is low. And, and what have you got? Mitch Hardy's got his own Cook Cup. Yeah, that's so that. So the Cook Cup was established in 1997. Yep. Uh, between the Wallabies and England. So I've got my Royal Dalton Crystal decanter from when the I was part of the Wallabies in 1997. So does, mean, does that mean if I put this on eBay, Mate, then it's going to be a collector's item now? It, no, it's, it's worthless. No, you've got to, yeah, it's your. <laughs> it's offensive. Royal You've got to rub it off and engrave Ella mobs on there. It's, it's offensive and it's it's a, it's obsolete. We won, we won the Cook Cup right on now. the 15th of November 1997. I've got my Royal Dalton Cup. I think I've and got two of them because I think I pinched one of the other players' ones as well. But um, but So is that the first one? Is That the, that is was your, the first one. Yeah. You've got year. the first Cook Cup. Wow. That's not the actual cup. No, that's but, but, but the that's the first, that the first got the commemorative Cook Cup. Cook significant, cup significant piece of you know, glassware. Yeah, um, well, I, history. I, I don't really care what trophies are named after because, I mean, this whole thing about naming trophies, Mick, I'm not, I don't get too hung up, hung up on it because it's about the contest of having a test match. So, I mean, I think in this day and age, you've gotten in the habit of calling, you know, calling sort of matchups a thing. Why, why can't it just be an Australian-England test match? Mm. Yeah, like, but, I think I, t- I think the ashes have spoiled it for everyone. Yeah, well, I mean, besides the, now the we're World Cup, playing, we've, got be, we've got the Border Gavaskar Trophy in cricket. We've got yeah, the yeah. Ashes. Yeah. So rugby feels that they're missing out, so they've got to call all these trophies different things. And and I d- I'm not sure why. And I think it's significant to recognise past players and past achievements and that sort of stuff. But 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 do we need to call them after trophies? Like, what's I don't I don't kind of get that. Yeah, I think. What are the, what think, are the names of the other trophies that we have against other countries? Like there is a trophy against uh, Argentina. Is, is there's, um, one, there's there's one, there's one against the South Africa. Letters Low Cup. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't because it's never been tweeted about that we won it. <laughs> <laughs> anyone seen, remember that? We haven't seen it. <laughs> um, there, I think there's a Mandela trophy. Is there a Mandela? Yeah, I was going to say is the Mandela yeah. for South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, we maybe we can throw it out there. If listeners could even just tweet or put on the Facebook. Any other trophies that are up for grabs in the world rugby stage? Let's see how many of them out there, and just see how it all compares. But well, they got a name on them. Um, yeah, let's call it the Ella Mobs Trophy. I don't care what we call it as long as we mm. beat England. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe that's the thing that we've needed. We've just needed to. That's the monkey off our back now. We've, we're not playing for the Cook Cup anymore. That, maybe we should change the Bledders Low Cup to beat, another name as we, well. We generally beat England. I, I have to Google the how many times we've won it. Yeah, I think it was. I actually think. It's, no, I think it's twenty-six all. I think it's been 52 games, and I think it's 26 all. It's and there was rivalry a rivalry that challenges think, state of origin. And that I think was there was the a, second one I've got. There was a draw in there, the I think, in 1997, a 15-all draw. 
that so, was it. That's that one. That was the one I was just holding up. That was the yeah. Draw. There you go. The draw. There you we, go. We kept the cook cup because we won it the first time. Right. Um. So I, there you go. There's a bit of trivia. I was involved with the only ever cook cup draw. Cook cup draw. And you've Put got that a, on your trivia night quiz. You want to know what the name of the trophy is between Australia and Argentina? Yes. I'll give you a guess. Hugo Porter trophy. It'd be the, yeah. It'd be the, is it? Is it? A, is it dual name? Porter. Is, it's a border Porter Porter Miner. Porter no, Miner. It's I, I, Argentina must have supplied it. It's called the Puma Trophy. Oh yeah, oh, nice. That's original. That's yeah. boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there something with Scotland? They play for something as well with the Scots. I think is they've that got a Calcutta. No, what's that? That's the uh, that's England, Scotland, isn't it? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, um, we'll move on. So yeah. uh, the latest thing too, the, the uh, vast majority of elite level rugby players diagnosed with concussion will now not be able to return to play for 12 days as a result of changes being introduced from July 1. So it currently stands at seven, but now they're extending that out to 12. So I think that's probably a step in the right direction. What's the rationale about seven days versus 12 days, Mickey? That the uh, intensity at international level is a little bit more, so therefore you're liable to have more I'm, concussion yeah, effects? I didn't I didn't read the rest of the... I was running out of time. I only just saw the, <laughs> <laughs> the first Sorry, bit. So, I, I'll uh, talk for you. Yes, that is the rationale. Is it the impacts, the impacts and the severity big. of the concussion and the intensity of it is a little bit more um, severe? And plus, also, you're looking at professional players and their welfare, um, given that they're getting paid for doing their job. So it's probably that common sense approach to not be too rash about putting them back out there in the firing line after a severe concussion for yeah, those okay. reasons, both yep. from the player welfare standpoint, but also from an investment into the game standpoint. Hmm. So that's good. And then on Saturday, the Wallaroos were beaten 22-10 by world number four Canada out in the rain in the uh, Pacific Four. They were, were up 10-0, but battled to get any scrum or line-out consistency and, and went down. So unfortunately for the women, no wins in that tournament. So I think that's their fifth loss in a row. And we often speak about the women. And I just read during the week that the Scottish Rugby Union have now, they've published its women and girls strategy for 2022 to 2026 to develop and grow the game at every level over the next four years. Last year, they invested 1.6 million quid directly into the women's and girls game. And then in endorsing that strategy, the Scottish Rugby Board, they've agreed to an additional investment of 2.5 million quid covering the first year of that strategy. That'll be invested in all areas of the pathway, taking the total women and girls funding to 4.1 million quid, more than double the previous year's allocation. And then part of that investment will be focused on continuing the journey towards professionalising the women's game as they commit to a minimum of 30 contracted players following from the Rugby World Cup. So it's going to be interesting to see if Rugby Australia outlines any plans and whether that Scottish move then puts any pressure on Rugby Australia to do something with their women. Well, you've got to have a strategy to start with. Have we got one? Well, seems like everyone else does. Yeah, but do we? No, and and like if if the Wallabies lost five games in a row, everyone would be screaming blue blue murder, wouldn't they? Well, you'd think so. Well, it's just this is, can I can well, I have yeah a yeah that, bit of a beef here? Yes, can please. Yes. Um, so, under controversial circumstances, the former Wallaroos coach were dismissed or yep. go or whatever you want. So they put a new coach in place, which for mine was not a fair and transparent process. And since that new coach has been put in place, they've had five losses in a row, but there's no repercussions. But hmm. so, yeah. and, yet the, and they completely neglected that whole 15 side of the game for I don't know how long. Everyone was screaming blue murder about it, including what are you doing with Super W and all sort of stuff. So the five losses in a row, with all due respect to the player's concern, is a result of them not preparing well and having the underpinning competitions in place to perform at the highest level. Hmm. So... So something seriously needs to be looked at there, first and foremost. And where does that then put them when you've got a Rugby World Cup just around the corner? Mm. Uh, we'll be, as I said last podcast, you know, our best rugby players at the moment for rugby union, for the female version of the game, are playing sevens. Playing sevens. Yeah. What are we doing about getting our best players on the park in preparation for the next World Cup? Yeah. Well, the and media... I, and, I appreciate, and I appreciate there's a Commonwealth Games just around the corner, and that's very important too. But... You know, let's get our priorities right. Yeah. And, you know, is the Commonwealth Games important? Well, it depends who you talk to. Um, 
if we can win something, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's yeah. an interesting debate into itself. Like how important mm. are Commonwealth Games to Australian sport when, a, when you're talking about a sport like rugby? Rugby fought tooth and nail to get sevens rugby in the Commonwealth Games and now it's an Olympic sport. So does that, now it's Olympic sport, does that then diminish the Commonwealth Games status? And Yes, I think it does. When there's, when there's no, you haven't got America there. Uh, I think, or Canada is there, New Zealand will be there. Uh, who else? Fiji be there. So I mean, All it's not a bad, things. it's not a bad field, but it's um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Is but, it well, is it is it as important as like the World Cup or the World Series or the Olympics? I don't I don't think so. Yeah, I think World Cups sit sit underneath Olympics to me. So at, at, well, sit, sit on par with Olympic mm. Games, World Cups in my view. Yeah. They are on par. But so again, it's one, from a I think from a from rugby's point of view, the profile I get from the Commonwealth Games is a lot more than they get from that rugby world cup yeah. se- or the World Cup series. So oh, yeah, because we'll be w- losing the World Cup and we'll be winning the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. So the media will, yeah. will jump on board. So it's a good it's a good advertisement for the game, the fact that it's in the Commonwealth Games. Because all our Commonwealth best rugby games. players are playing Commonwealth games. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But but yeah, it's not it's I think I think Australian rugby need to just have a just a step back and have a look at that whole shape of the game for women's rugby. And I think there's some really good examples out there where they can accommodate both versions of the game and ensure that our best players are always representing the country. That's yeah, exactly approach. that's the approach I that's, would be taking. I wouldn't be. be I wouldn't be diluting our talent. Yep. No, exactly. And then um, Hamish McLennan threw a hand grenade during the week saying that Rugby Australia might walk away from Super Rugby after next year when the contract runs out and create our own domestic comp. Hey, Tesman, what do you think of that? Look, oh, it's big words. It's big words. I can understand, I can understand the financial side of it, I guess. Um, but we, we do need... I, I feel like I'd, I'd love to see that little comp, this competition of tribalism grow in Australia and kind of try and go the same way that, you know, Rugby League and AFL have been able to do here in Australia, but I still think we need to have those, the, the New Zealand teams involved for draw cards for, for, for stadium ticket sales, like all of those other things as well outside of that, that telecast, because if we don't have them, them here, like, especially we know it more than anywhere else over in here in WA, like the force might not be everyone's number one team. They're, they might be the number two team, but if they don't, if we're not playing the Kiwi teams, they never get to see the Hurricanes or they never get to see mm. the Highlanders come over as well. And now with, with Moana Pacifica and the Drua coming in, that's an even broader audience that we can then appeal to and, and a little bit more revenue that we can bring through the gates. So I still think, and as well, like, you know, the New Zealand, they're, they're, they're the best, they're the best teams in the world. They're the best club mm. teams, even though that premiership, as good as that premiership game was up in the Northern Hemisphere on the weekend, um, they're the most entertaining teams to watch play as well. Uh, and their players are the most entertaining to watch. They're the biggest stars in, in Southern Hemisphere rugby, but if, if not world rugby as well. So I still think we need to have, yeah, they're, they're that weird cousin that you just can't get rid of, but he's, mm. he's handy to have around. Mm. And you saw on that, you saw with the speaking of the, analogy. <laughs> speaking of the drill, you saw something like the crowds and the passion they bring yeah. to those games. It was it was fantastic. So we'll be ashamed to to lose that. So what's what's Rugby Australia's rationale, Mick? What's their rationale as to why they think they should go? Well, and they're I, dirty. But they're dirty because they only get a third of the money that the uh, New Zealand Rugby Union get from the from the broadcast. So we broadcast, get Australia gets thirty million, and I think they get seventy million. So I think they're thinking that the New Zealand rugby should give them more money because they're contributing 50-50 to that competition. And they're thinking yeah. if they're not going to get 50-50, they'll go out on their own. What? And they reckon they'll get more than 30 million going out At a stand. Own? Well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think so. Because, yeah, again, a lot of the people are saying, well, if you're not going to be showing me the Waratahs right. against the Crusaders, well, I'm not going to subscribe to well, stand sport. Well, you end up with a club platform. Um, and look, it's interesting because on one hand they're saying, "Oh, there's, there's a money to money orientated argument to it," but on the other hand they're saying, "Oh, we want to make decisions of what's best for Australian rugby." So what is it? Is it money or is it what's best for Australian rugby? So you can't tell me we don't need the best of Australian rugby playing against the best of New Zealand. Hmm. You can't yeah. tell me that's not in the best interest of Australian rugby. Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in, yeah, you'd have to think because everyone knows that the, the better people you play, the better you become. So you, you don't want to be playing. You want to be exposing yourself to that higher level. Yeah. And, and we talk about, you know, there's like there's there's always been talk of cutting teams because the talent isn't there. 
like if we, we just have a five team competition in Australia or six, say of the Drew are still able to be involved, are, you know, are people going to go and watch just a, a home and away series against every Aussie team every week then as well? Like, I don't, I don't think people are actually going to go and, oh, and front up for they all will. of those games. They, they will go watch it, but you'll only end up with five or 10,000 going to those you get games. The same, like, I was going to say, you get the same smaller stadium. Yeah. Yep. yeah. We'll all be playing at the Leichhardt Ovals of this world for the rest of the, rest of the time. Because we had one one listener on Facebook, uh, Foddy Bob Spradol. I don't know if that's his name or that's his code name, but it, he suggested it's a European. team from he suggested a team from each state plus the territories. So you've got an eight team comp, each play three times in a top four. So there's plenty of suggestions being thrown out. There was one on there about we keep the teams you split have two New South Wales teams and two uh, Queensland teams, which is that's basically the NRC. NRC. <laughs> exactly, it's called the NRC. So. And then even if, if they, you know, let's say you did that and then the two um, the two Sydney teams, can they can pick a New South Wales team and the two Queensland teams can pick a Queensland and they can play their one-off game for the Templeton Cup. There's another um, trophy, another trophy. there to, give, to keep that New South Wales-Queensland thing alive. So there are options, but yeah, is it the right thing to do or should we stay? I guess it's the million-dollar question. But you've got you to look at the, the motivations for the content as well. So you've got to say, well... What's going to retain a Michael Hooper in Australian rugby or a, a uh, Bunavalu in Australian rugby? Um, but what, what's going to retain our best of the best in Australian rugby during the money. provincial competition? Money. So we're money. going to get the money from yeah. to support a local-based domestic competition. It ain't going to come. I'm just like get with reality, people. People aren't going to get the. We're not going to get the big bucks in without having the big bucks teams participating. Yeah. If they think if they think the Waratahs and the Reds and these guys are worth that much money, they're dreaming. I think I think people got a bit excited because in that first year we had just Super Rugby AU and they got, I think, forty thousand to that final. But I think that was a very strange year because it was COVID. No one could go anywhere. There was no sport on. That was everyone jumped on board because they just wanted to be involved in sport. But I know this year when New South Wales played Queensland, I think it was Drop back down to, you know, oh, twenty thousand. So it's, I think it's got potential. Me, I mean, people have got to fall in love with rugby again, but that mm. that just doesn't happen because of a structure that's got to be all the way through. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, people have got to fall back in love with going to a club game and you know yep. taking their kids to the grassroots game on a Saturday morning. They've got to want to put it on on Stan Sport on a Saturday and watch a bit of you know, Sydney watch Club it. and Brisbane Club and rug, you know, rugby WA and Perth Club like. People have got to fall in love with the game. That's mm. what's going to then transpose to um, supporters going to watch the big matches. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's no surprises that there was a letter coming out from Rugby WA during this week to say, come on, Rugby WA community in Perth, get behind the Wallabies, let's buy tickets, yeah. go, to your, go to your lunches, come to the mm. game, all that sort of stuff, because they're wanting people to fall back in love with the game. Yeah. So until that happens, you're not going to get the big crowds, which in turn then drives interest and the revenue and all the other things to go with it. Yeah. Yep. Good point. And then um, you may recall when we had new rugby uh, WA president, John Wellborn, on uh, a couple of weeks ago. He spoke about a couple of teams that went across to play in the New South Wales State Championships, which is a major junior representative team tournament played over the June long weekend. There were two under-15s boys teams representing 12 local clubs divided into North and South Perth districts and the under-14s Perth girls districts teams, which represented six local clubs. Initially, had 103 kids trialled for the boys team way back in December, which in itself was amazing. And then over there, apparently all teams exceeded expectations. The Southern Perth districts finished 13th, but that apparently they came, uh, they lost out on four and against and matched it with Gordon. Uh, it was nil all at halftime. Gordon went on to win it. The North Perth team won against the two Blues, Warringah, Eastwood and Manly. Uh, they went to the championship finals, went down to Penrith, seven points to nil. And then the girls made it all the way through to the grand final and unfortunately went down to Manly. But to be runners up in a tournament says a lot about the talent pool in WA. So a great result for all those young kids. Now, one man who was instrumental in organising these teams was Michael Williams. So we thought we'd have a quick chat with him on the rugby wrap. So, Michael, thanks for your time and congratulations. What a great result. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Um, yeah, it was... Uh... It was we we exceeded all expectations. Um, 
uh, I suppose it's been, it was a 12-month journey for myself and probably a 10- to 6-month journey for others that uh, assisted. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it was, as you said, the talent pool in WA um, is there and, and we just need to nurture that and, uh, and uh, help uh, those kids sort of progress on those pathways. Um, so I, I thought, you know, that this tournament being um, playing against the Sydney teams was a great way, a great great stepping stone rather than kids going over and having to play New South Wales 1 or Queensland 1, that uh, they could compete at the district level, test themselves first up and, and sort of get accustomed to what red, red rugby is all about. So um, I suppose one of my biggest fears was whether we were going to, um, whether the competition was going to be too hard. I, I knew physically we, the kids were going to be able to compete. Um, I just didn't know whether the pace of the game, given that the, the club rugby style in WA is a lot different over the New South Wales. But uh, as I said, and, and as you mentioned, that they exceeded all expectations. Um, uh, and look, uh, not only that, they're, they're off-field. Uh, they got compliments of their off-field uh, uh, behaviour as well, which was, was great. And, and uh, speaking to Ben Gregory from New South Wales, who was instrumental in actually allowing us to compete in the tournament, um, I spoke to him today and uh, they're, they're working us back with open arms for next year as well if you want to take that on as well. Terrific. So that was my question. How, how tough was it or what was the process to actually get those teams to play in that, in that State Cup? Well, well, it was just a phone call, really. I mean, where it all started was back in 2019. I took, it, I took two Indigenous uh, boys across um, to, to play in the Lloydies team. Uh, yep. Um, and... Yeah, they, those boys sort of got a bit of an eye opener to what um, uh, the New South Wales pathways were like, and I was sort of trying to get uh, some more Indigenous uh, players across, but uh, they they discontinued the Lloydies teams in that district level. So I said, look, you know, Plan B, would you be willing to take two sort of district teams, uh, North and South, first? Uh, they they were sort of really pushing for a, a, um, a single team. Um, they wanted to uh, look at uh, the regional championships, which involved Sydney Juniors, uh, New South Wales Country, and the uh, 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 New South Wales, well, I suppose the CHS, CIS, and um, uh, GPS schools in that competition. But uh, my my whole process or thought process was I wanted to involve as many kids as possible and give them a taste of what Red Rugby is about. So mm. we managed to convince them to... Uh, uh, compete in that district level side, and which meant that we had to come up with a North and South Perth team. So it was a bit of a pioneering thing. I, I had a lot of doubters in the community whether, whether that tournament's worth it. But uh, anyone that played in New South Wales, that competition's been mm. running since 1957. So it's got a lot of history and a lot of uh, wallabies that have come out, out of that program. And as, you, as you're probably aware, that that 15 year old age group, I suppose, is where those, uh, uh, or, you know, anyone that's got any. Any desire to play that professional rugby, that's where the, uh, the, the scouts start looking at that age group and, uh, any, uh, and potential um, players that can reach that elite level. But not only that, I mean, you know, you still need to cater for the, the players that, you know, are going to be playing first grade or even second grade or, or third grade, and, and you just want to keep them in rugby as well. So I thought that was the main aim was to give the people, uh, give the kids as much experience, a touring experience as possible and, and and get them to meet new people new kid, uh, new teams playing in a competitive comp and obviously uh, and hopefully keep them all in rugby mm. next year and were the Perth clubs uh, supportive of it sorry Mitch I'll get you in a sec were the Perth clubs supportive when you first raised the idea there was much of a battle to get them involved uh, it was a challenge uh, put it this way I had uh, the, the, most of the clubs and the club presidents when I spoke to them directly were very supportive I'd but I had to go into detail about what the competition was about. But there was, there's a lack of knowledge in terms of the Queensland and New South Wales pathways uh, in this state, which is, you know, I think needs to be sort of addressed. Um, the other challenge I had, I had two, I had the New South Wales Rugby and Rugby WA that I approached. Um, uh, one governing body said, how can we help? The other governing body said, why would you do this? Um, and when we got down to, uh, when we started <laughs> talking about, well, what colour your jerseys are going to be, I, I thought, well, you know, uh, <laughs> there's, there's no point continuing down uh, one of the governing bodies. I'll, I'll just continue to discuss uh, uh, how we're going to uh, sort of get over there with the New South Wales um, juniors. So they were absolutely fantastic in, in their support for the for the Perth. Uh, their, their 
whole um, thing was about trying to ensure that you know there's a healthy uh, junior competition over in uh, in WA, and they they said, look, anything we can help in that space, uh, they were they were willing to do and help. So that was that was, which was great to see. Um, uh, at, at the start, it was just the two boys teams, and then when they uh, realised that we we do have some uh, a, you know some girls that uh, would be willing to come over, they they jumped at the opportunity to invite our girls team across to at the under 14s level. Fantastic. So, Mitch, sorry for cutting you off. No, you're right. Um, I just wanted to just shout out to Michael and just say congratulations, mate, because, you know, it takes fantastic initiative to get these things up and running, and I know how hard and difficult it is to pull things like this together, in particular around junior rugby. Um, so I just wanted to firstly acknowledge the, the great work that you and, and all the parents and supporters and the assistance that you might have had behind the scenes and pulling this together. It's no easy feat. And um, I'm just bloody fantastically proud that you guys were able to go over there and compete against um, some of the best of the juniors around Sydney. And, but I guess the frustrating thing for me is that I've known a few different people over the years try to do something similar to this and they're constantly experiencing roadblocks in being able to do this type of initiative. So what what is it? that you did that were able to bring the best of the talent together? And then what's the pathway for these kids from here on in? So how do, how do the experience that those kids had feed into the current pathway now going forward for Western Australian representative honours? Uh, well, look, look, it's a good question. I, I, I think for me, it, it's, it's, you know, the, it, I, th- I think, you know, for Rugby WA, I think they really need to, Especially the junior side, I think they need to sort of realise that they're a, they're managing a product on behalf of the clubs and they're a service provider. At the moment, their stakeholders and customers aren't happy with that uh, and the way they're sort of heading. And they need a they need some people in there to sort of provide some strategic direction in terms of pathways. You know, you know, keeping numbers. Uh, at the moment, I, I mean, I've been coaching juniors for a, a fair while and I've never seen the numbers so low at the moment. Um, and I, I think they need to work out exactly what what direction they want to head. Um, uh, and I think they need to involve the clubs in that in those discussions. Um, I, I don't know how many times they pick up the phone to New South Wales, Queensland, and uh, ACT, and and even Victoria to find out what they're doing and how they're working. But um, I think look, rugby WA itself. Uh, I think they need to align the schools, the clubs. Um, uh, together as well uh, if we're going to have a healthy competition and need to make sure that the kids are playing um, not only they're just their local clubs but they they're actually having uh, competitions which involve uh, the better players uh, getting that competitive um, advantage as well um, I think more tournaments like this they can compete at the better I know there's yep. a commercial aspect to that and resources as well but um, I don't I don't think that's you know if it's impossible task um, yep. Just just on on the success of the tour, so we've had some feedback um, um, over the last week as well. So two of the kids um, have now picked up or in negotiation with scholarships for the, the for one of the GPS schools and one of the uh, one of the more uh, elite country schools as well. So and five over five, east. yeah, over east. So uh, yep. I won't I won't mention the schools or players. No, that's all right. <laughs> but um, that's good. Uh, but. Yeah, and the other thing that was, I, I had the New South Wales selectors at the time uh, 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 say, look, can you keep an eye on our guys and let me know which, which ones you take up to New South Wales, Jen. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get the opportunity for the girls, but I, I know the girls would have been in the same boat. But uh, five of our team uh, would have been selected to go up to the New South Wales trials as well, which is, which is fantastic. So That's yeah, great. Yeah. So, so, so where, where did those players come from? The, the the players that you picked in the Southern Perth and Northern Perth teams were they a combination of private school rugby players and club players? So there was a couple of PSA kids um, in yep. that space. Uh, we would have liked a lot more, um, but again, being that I suppose the first year was done, I, was, I, I think there was a lot of um, Chinese whispers down the community about uh, you know well, why would you go to this tournament and uh, yeah. things. Uh, yeah. The other thing it's always is always been a stigma. It's always been a stigma about these type of things is that they go, oh, you So know, we had 13 clubs represented all up. Um, yeah, we put right. up your kids, but... Yeah. 
Yeah, so we divided that into north and south and tried to uh, make it so it was two evenly competitive teams. Um, so if we had five of uh, five of the best kids in, you know, competing in one position in the south Perth, we move some of those kids up in, up in the north Perth just to even out the numbers and make sure they all went across as well. So um, yeah, we. I mean, there was a lot of challenges keeping the kids involved for such a long time. To uh, you know, the challenges with COVID, are we going, are we not, mm. <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, but look, at the end, um, you know, the feedback I've got from the parents that went over, the players I've got over said uh, they would jump at the opportunity to go back again. So I think uh, if we do continue it next year, and I did speak I did speak to uh, Ben Gregory today um, as a bit of a debrief, um, uh, that absolutely he said we'd be invited back next year they can't see any reason why uh and we'd probably expand those age groups as well if we can so but look i'm i i want to work with rugby wa in in that space as well uh we we did run the tour under the north coast banner which is one of the junior clubs which i I, i'm a part of as well and i'd like to thank andrew arty the president of north coast for allowing me to do that because um that that allowed us to sort of just make sure everything ran smoothly from the insurance and uh uh, point of view and, uh, and the registration side of things. So that was great. And also I'd like to shout out to all the sponsors too. Without those sponsors, uh, that trip would have, uh, uh, you know, the commercial side mm-hmm. of things too. So uh, Boom Logistics, Tier 16, Cube Offshore, Ed Start and Pet Structures. And, and a big shout out to Murray from Fit to Travel. He manages the force uh, yep. uh, travel as yep. well. He's done a great job in helping us uh, get over there as well. Yeah, Muzz's a good mate of ours here on the Rugby Wrap. And um, so I was going to ask you the question about fundraising. Would have been an enormous exercise to fundraise for this trip. Um, it's not cheap, especially in these COVID conditions. So there was plenty of local support available to raise money and obviously the parents and the kids themselves had to pitch in as well. Uh, yeah, well, that, one of the things that we, we were able to take advantage of is that uh, being a covid uh, you know, a lot of sporting tours obviously cancelled during the 21 uh, and early 22 as well. Uh, borders opening up um, whenever it was around about uh, March or April uh, of this year. Uh, the uh, the AIS funding uh, for um, sanctioned events uh, pretty much hadn't been tapped into. So we were able to tap into that, being that the, the New South Wales State Tournament was one of those sanctioned uh, sporting events. Um, so a lot of the parents applied for funding and got a $700 rebate uh, for that. So the actual cost of the trip for a lot of the parents, if they did apply for that, um, ended up being um, fairly, fairly reasonable. Mm. Um, and with our sponsors on board as well with the tour kit, um, it, it made it even better. So, yeah, so it wasn't too bad. Uh, and I think, you know, I think if Rugby WA probably would have supported it, we probably would have got a lot more sponsorship. Um, so I'm hoping next year that, mm. that will change um, uh, because I think there's opportunities not only to compete at this district level, but um, there's, there's the Junior Gold Cup for under-15s is still being run over in New South Wales independently from yep. Rugby Australia. And I think there's opportunities there to <coughs> compete in that um, and uh, and obviously for the girls as well to, to, to get more competition over there as well. Yep. Fantastic. And just before we let you go, were, were the people surprised by how well the WA, the girls especially did, people on the East Coast? Oh, absolutely. We got compliments. Uh, <laughs> it was funny. The first day we of the tournament, the Saturday morning, I think the first two clubs I walked, walked past were Northern Suburbs and, and Gordon. And uh, uh, you could see the look in their eyes and saying, well, here's a point scoring opportunity for us. Um, yep. Obviously, the Gordon blokes putting their hair dries away and stuff. Tip, like that. Uh, yeah. Typical Gordon, mate. It's typical Gordon. They haven't changed in fifty years. Behave. Those blokes behave. <laughs> would like to look good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, look. Uh, uh, after that first game, uh, I, I I think that we were the talk of the town. Basically, they they were absolutely surprised of how well drilled our side was, um, structures and the skill sets we had. As I said, look, the, the biggest fear I had is whether I, I thought. I knew we could compete physically and, and we had the skills. It was just whether we could match the speed of the game. But the, mm. all, credit to the kids, they all stepped up and got better and better with um, uh, as the tournament went on. 
Yeah, fantastic. Look, Michael, congratulations to you and to everyone involved and to all the kids. It's a, it's a great thing you've, you've kicked off and I really hope this does become a, a very long-running tradition that teams from WA do go across and play in that championship. So well done and, and thanks for your time on the Rugby Wrap. Uh, thanks very much for having me, guys, and uh, uh, really appreciate the support. No, cheers. Well, well done. done, Michael. Congrats, mate. Great awesome job. Work. Thank you. So, Michael Williams there, and uh, that's just great. I mean, that I, I played in that New South Wales State Cup, and it is, it's a fantastic weekend on that June long weekend, and, it, and it's great yeah. for those teams from WA to get across there to, to be welcomed by the New South Wales Junior Rugby Union to play, and, and you know, just fantastic by Michael to, to actually get off his backside and, and make that happen, because that's, that's a big job that he's done. Yeah, absolutely, and me too, Mick. I've played in that, that long weekend stuff before all the age group rugby, and I think... That's the frustrating thing about this. This isn't the first time, you know, independent uh, community rugby loving people have had to get off their backsides and create a sort of a, a momentum or put a team together to go play in a tournament of some description. You know, I know the Beast, the Beast Academy in the past have gone to the um, the tournament in Taz in Armidale um, yep. to take kids over there. And that got criticised as well by rugby doers saying, oh, why are you doing this? And you know, you're doing a selection process and it's elitism. And, and then you go, well, hang on, it's about exposing kids yeah. to tours, which mm. is great. Mm. You know, they're going away <laughs> with their mates, playing rugby, meeting new people, playing in a tournament, being in a tournament-type atmosphere, which then only prepares them better mm. for when they go and represent the state at 16s or schoolboys mm. or 19s or whatever. And it also... Just, just get some used to that whole thing. Okay, well, this is what's rugby about. There's 20 teams here. They're all like us. You know, we're all, mm. you know, enjoying the game. And it's just, just the lack of vision is just astounds me at times. Mm. Like they, you know, oh, don't start me seriously. Because <laughs> those you know, kids yeah. get it. The kids get a lot of confidence out of that because there's this, this whole. Um, I don't know what the word is about about the East Coast being so much better. And these kids go over there; they can break down that that fear yeah. of thinking, "Oh, they, yeah. we're, you know, we're not that far off these guys." So it, no, it makes a massive difference because our state teams for years have gone away thinking, "Oh, there's some big stigma." <laughs> we're going to get, get over there, yep. And they're like stunned mullets in the first two rounds, and goes, "Oh, actually, it's oh, not that bad." And then they yep. come good by the end, and you just go, "Oh my God!" So whatever we can do to better prepare our kids for competing with and against the East Coast, we should be doing. We should be absolutely bending over backwards for initiatives like this. And we mm. talk about, the you know, the Force Foundation and this and that and the other. Well, invest into stuff like this, guys, you know? Mm. Like, stop pissing the money away and invest into initiatives like this where a dad and parents are getting, getting off their backsides and doing good things to promote WA rugby and yet don't get the state body or the... Western Force support because it's not sexy. Like, yeah. And I think that that point you made about like the fact this is a, a club or a district. So the, the way it worked over there, so for example, it was the the Eastwood Districts. team that Districts. was the district. So, so there was three three or four clubs, club sides are picked to make this district representative team. So it's it's yeah. it's great for these district sides. And as you said, it's not this, it's not the state team. It's not the WA team. It's that level below. So yeah, when they get to that state team, they've seen some of these kids and they think, yeah, we, we are competitive. So it's, it's so important. And we, so and we have I, those I think, regionals coming up, like in the July school holidays, there'll be regionals on here in WA, North first, South first, Central and all that stuff. So we have, we have the systems in place to do this already. There's hmm. North and South and district type models already in place to do this. So why why does it take a guy like Michael to have to you know do this separately mm. to be able mm. to get something else happening? Like it's it's it would be no surprise if a lot of these kids end up playing in the regionals anyway in a couple of weeks' time in July. But now they're going to be even better for it because they've just come off a tournament. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, so as if we mentioned, well done to Michael. That's a, a terrific effort. So. You know, straight from Michael Williams, we go to Hero of the Week. Thanks to Heroes and Villains Brewery in Osborne Park. And uh, I'd like to nominate Michael Williams as my Hero of the Week for, for organising that. I think he's uh, he's terrific. Some other ones, Mitch, that you've got to take into consideration now. There's a couple of villains we're throwing out this week. Craig on Twitter said the villain was Heath Tessman for looking too good on camera. <laughs> Which is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, what, was, what was he watching on? You've got a stalker, Heath. <laughs> <laughs> more than one. Finally. Uh, an, 
another villain. I'm think I'm also I'm full of votes this week. Uh, that uh, Namia Tilelata for bagging bloody Scott Robinson. I, I think he's a, he's a villain. Uh, another villain. Tim Skepper is saying the villain of the week has got to be former England lock George Cruz who should be kicked out of the forwards union for not only taking a conversion for the Barbars, oh. but scoring it with a cheeky back heel how, kick. How, how good, how good how was that? that? How, how, how is that a villain? The, the, how good was the, the post-match interview with Eddie Jones where they asked him, oh, is, this, is that taking the Mickey Mouse a little bit? And he's like, no, mate, it's, it's all, there's got to be fun. There's got to be fun in the game. And you could just see whole sort of forehead just throbbing. Yeah, poor old, poor old Eddie. God. <laughs> Then we had another Tim Skepper then also had a hero, and this is a good one. So he said Tom Youngs of Leicester Tigers, having retired from professional rugby mid-season to spend more time with his wife, and days after she finally lost her uh, fight with cancer, he joined his clubmates in lifting the English Premiership Trophy. The Tigers led all season from the first week to the last, narrowly won their semi last week, and then won the <laughs> final with a drop goal 30 seconds from the end of normal time. So Tom Young's uh, heart goes out to him. So that was the nomination from Tim Skepper. And then Nigel Peters, he said the Barossa Rams reserve grade side. Well, there, I got I got an offer to play for the Barossa Rams. What have they oh, done? Did you really? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah, what from did they Nigel offer? himself. What, what did they offer you? Plus, <laughs> all the Shiraz I could drink. <laughs> so he's not sure whether they're heroes or villains, but he's saying they're either villains for being reduced to 10 men after a card frenzy from the referee or, or heroes for hanging on to win by two points after oh. the said card frenzy to make it eight on the trot. <laughs> so, Mitch, you've got the Barossa Rams. Oh, we got one, one more as well. For, Another um, one? I've got to put one forward for it. And it's something that we shouldn't have to say nowadays, but Nick McCarthy, the uh, Leinster player as well, who's yeah, come out absolutely. and announced he's, he's gay. It's not a thing at all, but yep. it is right now. It is a big thing in rugby right now. And in five years' time or however long, it won't be a thing. Hopefully but, it won't be. But at the moment. He's that first, well, yep. not the first, but someone who's put his hand up and Yep. And good on him. And the support that he's received has been fantastic. It's so much positivity. And I, I think it's it's great from the community's teammates and, and everyone. So that's terrific. So so Mitch, you've got a real smorgasbord tonight. On that you, note, I am desperately needing a wee. I'm coming back in two seconds. Pause it there, Mick. I'll pause it. <laughs> <laughs> that's keeping us in suspense. I'll play some music, some sort of music. Where's this is on. <laughs> Where's our elevator music? <laughs> he's got his cook cup, his cook cup little glass there. He, he could have just, that. yeah, he could have just gone into that. Use that vessel. So Mitch, Mitch Hardy's back now, so he's had a chance to think about it, and has he got a winner? He's uh, forgotten. Can you go through them all no, again? No, I, no, I do know them because, <laughs> well, we just had Michael on, and he is an absolute hero for doing what he did. So he was going to be Blaine Emanez, uh lay down winner. Nigel Give Peters, me. I do like that story. That's the greatest story of all time. The Barossa Rams down to ten men, <laughs> and I'm about Five to get cards. And and we are going to have our um, national Sudoku championships in Adelaide very soon. Maybe we get Nigel to come mm. along and represent South Australia. <laughs> he can. It's a pretty stacked team, the South Australian team at the moment. Well, he might not be able yeah. to uh, get a God. spot in there. <sighs> That's a tough decision because Michael did such a sterling job. But we have we have pumped his tyres up a fair bit tonight. I'm going to give it to Nigel Peters because Nigel does give us updates he every does. single week yep. around the the, uh, the Adelaide comp. And yep. for him to t- regale that story, I think that's fantastic. So let's give good. it. Let's give it to Nigel. Nigel, we should try and um, catch up with him for a beer when we're over there. Actually, we I think we and, definitely um, should. We'll do that. To make it his shout, saying he won the voucher, so he can buy us yeah, a couple we'll, of beers. Well, well are you going to take him down for him? Don't we shout? <laughs> oh yeah, we should probably shout him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We can shout uh, him. All right. So well done to, to uh, Nigel. Nigel. Yeah. For uh, he's the he's our last hero of the week. So that will do us. Look, and, and a massive thanks to Heroes and Villains Brewery in, in Osborne Park for getting behind our Hero of the Week segment. 
great local brewer to say to Shannon out there, thank you very much. Uh, get out behind them, go and have a look at their beers and, and give them a go. So thank you to Heroes Ambulance Brewery in Osborne Park. Before we do wrap up, plenty of great rugby lunches on the Friday before the test. I know UWA has got one. They've got Timmy Horn as their guest speaker. So contact Uni Rugby. I assume on Facebook the best way. Rugby WA have got theirs. Details on the Rugby WA website. And I believe Perth Bayswater have also got a lunch. So get in touch. Nettie's, Nettie's as well. Nettie's and as well. Nettie's as well. So plenty of clubs doing that. Pay for those players. <laughs> are they going to be serving? Are they going to be serving spates at the lunch? <laughs> spates, and that's it. They lost their spates contract. <laughs> and you guys, this, you guys drank it all the other week. If all this, well, you didn't buy it, so I don't know where it went. If all the talk of test matches is making you itchy, have a look at rugbyworldcuptour.com. 18 night, seven city, five game tour to the Rugby World Cup hosted by the Rugby Rap team. That'll be an absolute ripper. So thanks, Mitch. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, boys. Don't forget our Rugby Business Network little function next week too. That's, yeah, that's, that's out there. That's first, being Thursday well night. subscribed. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be a good one. Um, yeah, so yeah, well, test match season. How good. So we're going to have a little bit of a break and then reconvene at some point in time. Yeah, very much. That's the plan. And Tess, good to see you. Good luck with the call on Saturday. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Hey, boys. Be good possibly. to see you back on back back on TV. Yeah, give us a shout out. Back where I belong. Yeah, give us a shout out. Shout out to us. No, we'll yes. be watching. I'm, I'm we'll sure be watching. You, I'm sure you guys will be dialed We'll be in. watching. We'll be watching. And of course, thanks to everyone for listening. And we will catch you next time on the Rugby Wrap. <laughs>